everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. Today we hear a special message where Pastor Ed interviews former Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Troy Aikman. Then we get to hear more from Ed as he shares with us how to win on the field of life. You can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome Troy Aikman, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, the tower. <laughs> Of football power. Troy, great to see you again. Yeah, man. good to see you. Troy, I've known you like since the Korean War. Been a long time. <laughs> yes. It's been a long time. Yes. Troy, when did you know as a kid, like, dang, I'm an awesome athlete? I mean, not that you, you know, because you're, you're a very humble guy, but I mean, when did you know, like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good? Um, you know, I, I picked it up pretty quickly, you yes. know, I mean, right from the very beginning. I started mm-hmm. playing organized sports when I was about seven years old, and it just kind of came naturally for me. I, I worked at it, but it also uh, was very natural. And so I had good hand-eye coordination. I wasn't the fastest guy, but I had relatively good quickness, you know, at, at that age. And, uh, you know, I could shoot a basketball. And, and yeah, and you see, I was blown away. I was playing basketball with this guy. And I was like, I cannot believe how good a basketball player you were. You are, Troy. Well, I was... I was uh, I'm like, I was, I, you remember that game we played back in the day? You don't remember yeah, that. I do. I, you do? I was a good shooter. Yeah, uh, no, I, you're better. Troy, you're being I humble, shoot, man. Yeah, you were rebounding, passing, shooting, defense. I was one of the, you know, and, and I probably enjoyed basketball mm-hmm. uh, more than the other sports that really? I played. Well, because it was the one that I that I was the least good at, but yeah. even though I was decent, and I also knew it was the one that I wasn't going to try to further. I knew I was not going to go on and play college <laughs> basketball. Yes. So I tended then to not put as much pressure on myself when I was growing up playing basketball and probably had more fun as a result mm-hmm. of that playing it. You were an amazing parent. I mean, I, I know you, obviously, know people that know you, et cetera. I was recently just on your Twitter feed looking. You're serious about parenting. Yeah. What, what did you learn from a quarterback that you translate and transfer to your kids? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, and, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I, I think about that a lot. I mean, I, I yeah. think about... Uh, I guess kind of what motivated me as a as an athlete, and then how does that then translate mm-hmm. as to how I raise my kids, yeah. right? And I try not to overdo it, but uh, we had this conversation. My my oldest daughter and I, I would take them on these walks, mm-hmm. and we were walking along. Uh, this was a couple summers ago, and I was in one of those moods where I was lecturing them. And Jordan, my oldest, who's now 14, she had been going to lacrosse, and she was told to practice so much during the evenings, and you know, on their own, and she mm-hmm. hadn't done it. So I said, yeah, and you hadn't even practiced the lacrosse like your coach told you to, and I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, I don't feel any footsteps behind me any longer, right? So I stopped, and I kind of turned around, and, and both of my girls had just stopped, and, they had the, and Jordan, I, I walked back, and Jordan says, Dad, I'm not going to be a professional athlete. You need to know that. Wow. And it really was kind of a punch in the stomach to me, and I, and I bent down, and I said, darling, I said, I, I, I don't think you're going to be a professional athlete, but you're going to be something, you're going to be something in life. I mean, yeah. I don't know what that is, and you may not even know yet what it is, but you're going to, be, you're going to go to college, you're going to get an education, you're going to be a teacher, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be, you know, whatever it is. But whatever that thing is that you become, you want to be good at it. And to be good at it, you have to work at it. And so uh, that was a little bit of my athletic background and just trying mm-hmm. to explain to them. And I try to impress upon both of my girls that, you know, if you're going to be good at anything and if something's important to you, you have to invest the time. And I think that as athletes, we, we certainly learn that. I remember I interviewed you at our church back in the day. You remember that? I sure did. Okay. 
And I remember after the interview, people were like, man, can you see Troy? Can you believe Troy? How good he is. And I told people like, well, it doesn't really surprise me in a way. But how have you done that? Because you, from all-world football, all-world announcer. I work at it just like I did when I was playing. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. You, you can't fake it, right? No. So I think you got to put in the time. And, and uh, I just try to be as prepared as I can be and be, be honest and yet respectful of the yeah. guys that are there doing it. Because, you know, I know that when I played, it's, it's not an easy game. And, and I don't want to be the armchair quarterback who's constantly saying, well, yeah. you know, you got to do this. You, gotta, yeah. you know, yeah, I got to point those things out. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's hard. Yes, you know? it I mean, is. So I try, to, uh, I try to point out maybe, especially with quarterback play, why a quarterback threw that interception or why he did this instead of this uh, and shed a little light on that. And then you, at the same time, uh, try to be honest about it. Have you, um, I know you've worked your rear off, but how, has anyone worked with you in speaking? No, I've never had any formal coaching. Um, I'm serious. I, I, well, I think that the one thing that we get away with as analysts, whereas a play-by-play -play guy, like my okay. partner is Joe Buck. Yes, I, know, so, yeah, I don't know Joe. You know, he was an English major yeah, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And, you know, they, they get critiqued uh -huh. on a little different scale. Yes. You know what I mean? We come into it with a very low bar. Right? As an athlete, we come <laughs> in and nobody thinks we can speak. It's pretty low. That's I mean, right. In fact, he you're can going, speak. I mean, you're saying right now, wow, I mean, you can actually talk. I mean, how did you do that? Yeah, I got it. You know, I got so, it. Yeah. You know, so we, uh, we, we get a little bit more leeway than, mm -hmm. uh, than some of the others in our in our business. Do they ever like say, Troy, you say this phrase too much? Oh yeah. Okay, tell me the phrases. Uh, well, Joe will, well the one phrase, Joe would say something and my response to that very early on was always, you know, you're absolutely right. And then boom, I'd go on and say what I say. <laughs> and then, then finally, uh, my producer said, you don't have to say it, just say what you're gonna say. And you know, That's but good. there are little things that you find yourself saying and, and you've got to, Either you have to pick it up when you go back and you watch mm -hmm. the tape, or you're hopeful that you do have a producer or a friend at home or somebody that can be, yeah. you know, critically honest and say, "Hey, look, this doesn't work." If I go to a game, I remember back in the day, um, you know, people would criticize you. It's criticize any time you do anything, as you know, people criticize. I heard you say this one time. You said, "Ed, whatever someone is thinking in the stands, or even in the media." He said, we've thought about it thousands of times already. That's a brilliant line. What do, you, what do you tell people, leaders, others, about criticism? Well, it's an interesting question because we're, we're, we're at a different time now because mm -hmm. everyone has a platform to express right. the criticism. So if, if you want to see criticism, you know, do a Twitter search on any broadcaster's name, mine included, during the actual broadcast. I mean, it, it, you know, and if you yeah. go, if you go yeah. back and you search your name yeah. and you see what a lot of people are talking about, uh, and it's not favorable. People just don't no. say positive things. I, I think, you know, what I get from it is I know when I hear critics if, if there's some validity to what they're saying That's right. and say, okay, well, that, okay, well, I respect that mm -hmm. person. And I think there is some truth to maybe oh, yeah. what they're saying. And, I, and, I, and to me, then that's very constructive. Yes. You know, the other side of it, if it's criticism, was just some, you know, there's a lot of, you know, mean-spirited, oh, yeah. hateful, yeah. Uh, you know, people. And you just try to put that in its proper category as well. Yes. And uh, I don't know. I think we're at a time, especially for young kids, it's, yes, it's hard. Man. It's really hard. I mean, I, I got my girls, and, and they're on the Snapchat and, and, yeah. and you know, Instagram mm -hmm. and, you know, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And... You know, occasionally they'll run into me and say, hey, Dad, look at this, and they'll, be, they'll have their feelings hurt, and we've got to sit and talk about it. But um, 
I don't know that I have a great answer for it, other than just really, I guess, trying to evaluate where exactly the mm -hmm. criticism's coming from. Uh, because sometimes you can learn a lot from it yes. if, if it's coming from the right people. Yeah, yeah, and the right people, the right and, and they have the right tenor and tone. Right. Sometimes I, I tell young people, it's like, I don't know, it's like social media is, is a sports center living, highlight real living. It's not really right. the, the, the real thing. So I think it's uh, important who you listen to, good, bad, or ugly. Troy, I, I got something else I got to share with you. We're, we're almost done. Troy, I wrote this play out on a napkin. And in my opinion, Troy, even though you're Hall of Fame, whatever, I think you were even underrated. One, I think you're one of the best quarterbacks ever. But Troy, I know, I think if you'd have uh, run this play about two or three times a game, I think you'd have had a longer career. Yeah. What do you think? See, and Troy, look, I even drew it out. See, I did draw it out for Romo, but I, I took him, I put number eight. What do, you, what do you think about that? If like you drop back, Statue of Liberty, maybe like Michael Irvin, whatever. Would he come that way? Where would he be? That's old school. You, yeah, yeah Irvin would have been over here. Okay. Yeah, and he would have then come back around. I, I don't know if we'd have fooled anybody, but it would have looked good. Yeah, but Troy, so the Statue of Liberty. So you're, you're saying it would, it would change your career, aren't you? Right, you're saying. Well, you are. Done this. Yeah, you are. I'll, I'll go along with okay. it. <laughs> so the Statue of Liberty is this. You go back, right? And like, like you're passing and they take it from you, like... Or, or do you hand it off behind you? How do you no, do it? No, well, the, the, I've never actually seen it run, but I guess, you know, you act like you're passing okay. and they come running by and take it off your hand. Well, I used to do that like in touch football, flag football. How'd it work? About. Yeah, oh, it was incredible. <laughs> incredible. Well, I'll pass it on to Jason Garrett. We'll see if uh, maybe they'll run. Yeah, you do that. You know? That would be excellent, <laughs> Troy. Troy, can you, can you imitate Jerry Jones very well? I, I can't, okay. You can? Has it, yeah, uh, it's, uh, okay. <clears throat> How's the sim? I tell you, the best quarterback we've ever had is uh, Troy Aikman's. 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 Uh, is, that, is that pretty good? It's pretty good. <laughs> okay, I gotta show Troy, though. Okay, Troy, I've, I've been doing this game. I made this up. Okay, I call this the Hugolution. You know, I was back in the day, give me five, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, now, you know, all the cool people, you know, it's all this. What's up, man? You know, but that's all right. Yeah. But, but I, I invented this, and I've shared this with a couple people. It's called the Hugolution. And, and you, you, powerful guy, strong guy, Troy, a lot of stress. Here, here we go, watch this. You go here, watch it, boom, and you just boom, on, on, on the shoulder. Let me tell you what that does. Gives you a nanosecond of rest during the oh, day. Yeah. What do you think, what, what, boom, 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 that's it. <laughs> Maybe you and Joe Buck or whoever. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah, you like it? It's not bad, it's not bad. You just have to explain it before you do it each time. What is a fan? Are you a fan? What is a fan? A fan is an enthusiastic follower. As you look at the life of Jesus, he challenged a lot of people to do a lot of following. He challenged children, he challenged singles, he challenged married adults, he challenged the rich, the poor, he challenged the depressed, he challenged the impressed. He challenged all sorts of people to follow him. He said, come and follow me over and over and over. If Jesus were right here on this stage, he might just say, become a fan, become an enthusiastic follower of me. 
because the word fan is an enthusiastic follower. We're fans. Have you ever wondered why we're, why we're fans? Have you ever thought about that? No one ever taught me how to become a fan. I just am a fan. When a touchdown is scored, yeah! No one taught me how to do that. When something good happens, whoa, yeah. No one taught me that. I just know how to do it. A fan is intrinsic. It's, it's something inside of us. It's something that we are. We're, we're, we're fans, aren't we? We're fans. We're enthusiastic followers. We're fans of golf. A lot of people, I mean, you're a true follower of golf. Others here, maybe you, you follow tennis. You're an enthusiastic follower of tennis. It could be triathletes. Triathlons, it could, it could be marathons, it could be, it could be fishing. That's a biblical sport. It could be hunting. It, it could be, yeah, thank you. It could be fashion. It could be anything. It could be horses. People follow, people are a fan of certain things. I believe, and if you think about it, I believe that in the depth of our being, God has placed this desire there to be a fan. It's a God thing. So often though, we're so devoted to certain things that we can, if we're not careful, waste our worship. We can, if we're not careful, decaffeinate our devotion. Obviously, we're to enjoy things. The Bible says that. We're to enjoy different things and, and chase after different things. However, we should become an enthusiastic follower. That's God's design. We should become an enthusiastic follower of Jesus. We're hardwired for that. Think back in, in your mind. Think, think back to the first time you ever recognized a fan. I think the first time I ever recognized someone who was a fan, or maybe they were trying to be a fan, was when my parents would drag me to see the University of South Carolina play back in the day. I was like maybe in the fourth grade. I remember sitting there in that, in that stadium there was a guy behind us, and whenever the South Carolina Gamecocks would make a mistake, this guy would, would do this. Boo! Scared me to death. <laughs> he would drink out of his flask. Boo! It got worse and worse. I was fearful to go to the games because of this so-called fan. He definitely was a fair weather fan. And we have a lot of fair weather fans here. That's just the way it is. But if you're a true fan, you don't go from the Cowboys to the Giants, from the Giants to the Philadelphia Eagles, from the Eagles to the Miami Dolphins. No, no, no. You are a fan. You are full on. Number one, here's what it means to be a true fan. Real fans, are you a real fan? Real fans are emotional. They're emotional. I think about Florida State. Back in the day, I had the opportunity to play basketball at Florida State. I spent most of my career on the bench, but I did start several games. You can look it up. My lifetime average, I think, was 0.7 per game. Anyway, whenever I would hear the Florida State fight song, something would happen to me. It's the best fight song out there. No other school can compete with that fight song. You know it. 
Yeah, okay. And, and, and sometimes I have to confess, if, I, if, I like, if I'm like in a bad mood or maybe I don't want to speak, I just, I just crank that fight song up in my office, run down the tunnel, and I'm ready. I saw some of the Florida State fans, and I've been there. Those fight songs do something, don't they? Whoa! They create emotion. Do you realize already we've played some fight songs in this stadium? You might call them worship songs. They're fight songs. Because remember, we're fighting a battle. Remember, we're pushing the ball upfield. Remember, we're playing offense. Remember, we're studying the strategy of the enemy. Remember, we are warriors. Remember, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. So we should get into fight songs. And, 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 and it blows me away how people will go to AT&T Stadium, lose their absolute mind, dancing, singing, painting your face, spending squillions of dollars on parking and overpriced junk food and adult beverages, sitting in a crammed stadium, watching a bunch of genetic freaks push a pigskin with air in it up and down a green field. And then you walk into church. Man, the church is so loud. I'm not sure about it. I don't know about these songs. I, did, I didn't grow up that way, and I don't know. It's kind of entertaining a little bit, and I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I just want to go to a half-empty church and a half-empty parking lot and hear a sermon that's half-empty. That no, 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 sorry, sorry. That's not what the Bible says. We're emotional creatures. God has feelings, too. He gave us emotion. And the Bible says in Psalm 47, verse 1, Oh, clap. Clap your hands. All you peoples, shout to God with the voice of victory. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Victory, victory. That's our cry. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Heaven is not going to be this quiet place it's not going to be a stained glass fortress with organ music. That's not going to be it. I mean, there'll, have some, there'll be some times in heaven where it's silent. But I'm telling you, it's going to be loud. Billions of people. It's not going to be a small place. It's going to, we're going to have worship. We're going to have music. Is, is this going to be a sight? So we have to understand something. We're made to express stuff. We're made to worship God with emotion. We're made to be enthusiastic followers of God. Enthusiasm. You know what the word means, enthusiasm? In the original language, in theos, in God. So if I'm in God, I'm going to be enthusiastic. Are you an enthusiastic follower? If you are, you're emotional. You're emotional. Notice, too, the second thing. Real fans not only are emotional, they're faithful. They're faithful. They're, they're, they're like devoted. The Bible says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. I consider myself a real, full-on cowboy fan in the 90s. 
And the reason was my friendship with Troy Aikman, to drop names, hashtag humbled, because, <laughs> you know, I've known Troy for a long, long time. He's attended our church for a long, long time, and he's been to my house, and we've shared meals, and blah, 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 blah. Well, once that happened, I didn't just know about the quarterback of the Cowboys. Now, all of a sudden, I know personally the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and everything changed. People come to church. Oh, man, I'm cool with Jesus. I know about the Lord. But do you know him? Do you know him intimately? Because if you know him, it's a game changer. If you know him, you are an enthusiastic follower of the Lord. If you know him, you talk to him, you listen to him. Think about it. If, if you were a true fan of the Cowboys, would you say, you know, I just, I don't know, I just watch the Cowboys play once a month. I don't care about the rest of their games. I mean, I'll just maybe once a month if I can. It'll shock you to see how many professing or pseudo fans across our nation only attend church once a month. Once a month. It's, it's, it's stunning when you think about it because if you love the quarterback, Jesus, you're going to love his team and you're going to love his house. It's that simple. If you don't, then I would put a big question mark. Are you, are you really a fan or maybe a a fair weather fan? I don't know. So, so, so real fans are emotional. Real fans are faithful. The third facet of a fan, real fans are informational. Is that the truth? They're informational. Philippians 1, 9. I pray, the Apostle Paul writes, that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Very simple. I've been married to Lisa for 33 years. I've known her 39 years. The more time I spend with her, my love and our love grows. The more knowledge I have of her, the more understanding I have of her, the more you have togetherness and oneness. Same is true with the Lord. The same is true with him. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how often so many of us know all the stats and the figures of all of the sports. That's cool. It's great to have a hobby. But so often, I'll ask someone, really? That's great, all the stats. Uh, who are the minor prophets? <laughs> How many books are there in the Old Testament? <laughs> Clueless. Notice the, the fourth facet of the fan. Are you a real fan? Really? It's a question only you can answer for yourself. Real fans are promotional. They're promotional. 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, therefore, whoever confesses me, promotes me, Jesus said, before men, then I will also promote them before my Father who is in heaven. How cool is that? It's about promotion. When I see these billboards around, man, thank the Lord that we can promote. We have the best message in the universe. When I listen to the ticket and I hear a commercial, boom, we can promote. When we text people every weekend and call you, we can promote. So we have the best thing in the world to promote. It's the person of Jesus. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.